Hey church, what an incredible story we have just seen there. And uh, thank you so much, Joy, for unpacking a bit of your life and being brave and telling us, uh, telling us a bit about your life and how you've come to this decision to, to get baptised. So we really appreciate that. You know, there was no actual planning around what you said and what I said. We didn't sit down and, and, uh, and talk things through. But what you talked about today, about your identity, uh, about your new family, uh, that you were adopted into is really what I want to talk to the church about today. So I just think maybe God has something to say to us as a church. So I want to get straight into it. So are you, if you're ready to get into the word of God, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you just orchestrate so much in our favour and we thank you for that. And God, we pray today as we finish off this series of walls, God, I pray and I, I thank you so much that you've already spoken to so many people through your word. Uh, but God, I pray that today will be no different, that you will continue to speak, that you will continue to build on what we've talked about uh, and unpacked in the life of this church. God, I pray for those people that don't know you, as I pray every single week. God, I pray that what's been said, what's been sung, Lord, will lead people to a place of making a decision for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think all of us have those where were you when moments, don't we? It might be for some of us that are slightly older, it might be where were you when you heard the news about Princess Di's death? Where were you when you first saw those pictures or the, or the footage of 9-11? Where were you when you first heard about COVID maybe? Where were you when you first heard about the tsunami or the Haiti earthquake? And I want to ask us this question. Where were you when you first saw the pictures or heard the news about the Berlin Wall coming down? November 9th, 1989, I was sitting in my living room in Sydney, Australia and watching the news report of people climbing on the Berlin Wall and tearing out stones and smashing it with a pickaxe. And you can see some of that in the background right now. You see, that wall was 93 miles long and it went right round. Some of you, some of you may have just seen a picture of a bit of a wall, but this was a huge wall that went right round the outside of what we used to know as West Berlin. It separated this small plot of land from the rest of East Germany. It was like a it was like an island, an island in the middle of a vast ocean. And uh, it was a wall, yes, that was 93 miles long, but it symbolized a monumental chasm between two different forms of government rule. It was a symbol of death. People died trying to get over the wall. It was actually called the Wall of Shame. And so I want to welcome us to this last message in this series that we have called Walls. And I really pray that it's it's done something in you, maybe challenge you, maybe cause you to think a bit more about where you are and what's happening in your life at the moment. And I pray as well that also in the future we'll actually maybe come back to this or maybe your thinking will be drawn back to something that was said and you think, oh, yeah, I remember that. And maybe I've started to put up walls that I need to tear down. You see, the Berlin Wall was, like many walls, a symbol of separation. 
The Great Wall of China is a symbol of separation. Hadrian's Wall here, which is just a few miles uh, north of where my window looks out now, is a wall and a symbol of separation. Walls have purposes. They are good and they are bad. To keep what's outside outside, to keep what's inside inside. Prison walls hold people inside. City walls are to keep people outside and those inside safe. But as we've seen, some walls need to come down. I remember, as I said before, my first time visiting a prison. You walk through the doors and the walls in this particular prison were so imposing. They were huge. And uh, as I walked through those doors and realized getting the other side of the walls, my freedom was gone. Uh, I, I couldn't do anything. My capacity for decision making was gone. I was at the hands of someone else who held keys. I was subject to someone else's decision making. And I wonder if you've ever felt like that in your life at times. Walls around you, no freedom, no decision making, no uh, self agency. Maybe the walls that are around you, you've created yourself or others have created them around you. A prisoner on the inside or excluded from the outside. We've all looked at the different types of walls over the past few weeks. Walls of doubt, walls of upbringing or family and the world that we live in, our culture. And walls, I thought what an incredible two messages they were. And uh, Austin unpacked those walls of shame, looking at the story from the, or the, the parable from the Bible called the prodigal son. And this week, I guess I just want to hit a bit of a, a current hot potato that's thrown around at the moment. And they are the walls of identity. My identity could come from being the best preacher, the best strategist, the best visionary, the best finance, uh, financial br bringer in of money. That doesn't make sense, but we won't go back on that one. You see, they could be my expectations of myself or they could be your expectations of, with, of me. And I, I could live within those walls and try and attain them and try and be everything that's expected of me. Identity is crucial. And as I said, I loved hearing Joy's baptism story. Her adoption helped bring her a new identity. My background, as many of you know, is social work and I worked with children, uh, mainly in child protection. But at times I had the privilege of being part of that process of adoption, assessing a child and assessing a family uh, to bring them together. And, and one of the greatest things was being able to go into a courtroom and have the judge assess those um, those stories and be able to say, yes, this child is now legally adopted into that family. A court stamp of identity. The problem is, as maybe you've you've sensed from Joy's story, is that many, many of the children have a have a struggle and they struggle with their identity. Where am I? I love my birth uh, family and I also love my adopted family. So where are my anchor points? And and helping them work through that identity crisis was part of my role. And at the time you're hearing this message, Going out on a Sunday, my family and I are actually, we're in London. And uh, by coincidence, we're actually, we're actually getting our fingerprints taken. We're getting photographs taken. And, and those things that actually confirm our identity for our working visas to come out to Canada. 
So we're essentially saying, I, I, I'm giving proof of who I say I am. There is a whole, so, uh, a whole uh, side of psych psychological science around identity. Eric Erickson, who was the father of identity psychology, says this, that individual identity is defined as the relative sameness of self over a period of time. Essentially, that's saying I am who I consistently am. So those outlying things that I do occasionally, yes, I do them, but they, they, don't, they don't define my identity. But there's also uh, part of our identity is, is about who we are also in relationship with. We say hear so much about identity politics at the moment. And that's the that's the real hot potato that's going around at the moment. And, you know, it's not always a bad thing. I think sometimes as Christians and we can look at that and go, oh, that's terrible. But actually, when we look over a period of time, identity politics have brought some really good changes in the world. We see the, the civil rights movement from the US in the 60s that began to transform and is still ongoing, unfortunately. But uh, it began to transform, um, I guess, racial identities. And, and we still need to outwork that. But there's a problem. You see, some of the things that were started earlier on started off about what we have in common. But now many of those things, as we read reports and as we see the news, are less about that and more about our common enemy. See, the former pulls people together. The latter excludes people. The former builds bridges. The latter builds walls. So we all come from different places. Paul talked about uh, the, the culture that we live in or the, sorry, the world that we live in and the family that we are brought up in. Our triumphs, our trials, our tragedies form our identity as well. And they're all defined and reinforced by so many different things. And our identity is actually one of the most crucial aspects of our life. And as we look around the world at the moment, we see so many different divisions, divisions around race, around gender, around socioeconomic status. But actually, when we think about it, we as followers of Christ are called to do away with the divisions that come from our difference. But unfortunately, many of these divisions have managed to stay or even creep into the church at large. We still see division from racism, from misogyny, and from how much money that we earn. I want to come back to one of those key verses that we looked at many weeks ago that, that helped form the, the foundation for this series, and that's Galatians 5 verse 1. It says this, it is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, when we, we read that, that word slavery, that's not about what we see and what we've seen over many years about the bondage of one group of people by another. What Paul is talking about here to the church, it's about being bound up in legalism, being bound up in sin as well. And he's saying Christ has set us free. So live in that freedom. 
as I said before, it's a really strange statement, isn't it? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's almost like he's saying the same thing twice. But of course, it is for freedom that we are set free. And there were in those days many people trying to tie the church up with whole, uh, whole aspects of the legalism that they came out of. Things like circumcision and dietary, dietary uh, um, boundaries. And, and Paul was saying, no, no, Jesus came to set us free from those things that, that I guess reinforce the relationship with God. And many of you are set free, but still living in the prison cell of those things. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. You see, the thing we think about this in terms of what I talked about earlier, freedom makes common bonds, not common enemies. Being in right relationship brings about right living. And when we read through Galatians 5, and I want to encourage you, just take a bit of time after the service and read through that, that Galatians 5, that chapter. It's an incredible chapter. You know, it talks about right living in there. It also talks in the middle there about wrong living. So it contrasts what is right and what is wrong. But it's, it talks about serving one another in love in verse 13. It talks about loving your neighbor in verse 14 and other things. It, it, it brings people in. This freedom that we have, this new identity, brings people in, not casts people out. Jesus himself made this incredible statement. He said, love as I have loved you. Not in the way, not in the way that you may see love around you, because there's so many different definitions of love, isn't there? I love burgers. I love football. I love my wife. And that same word has so many different meanings to different people. And even when we say I love my wife or I love that person, that love has so many different levels and layers. But Jesus is he's setting a new standard. He's saying love as I have loved you. One of the products of right of living in right relationship in freedom is what we call fruit. And again, if you go a bit further on down in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. Some of you may have heard of that and it gives a whole list. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this is some very deep theological thinking and teaching here. Galatians 5.22 comes after Galatians 5.1. Now, I, I told you it was deep and I told you you're going to take, need to take notes on that. You see, verse 1 says we've been set free. Verse 6 sets our new identity. It says in Christ. That's our new identity. That's the, the court stamped approval of a new legal identity. Verse 13 talks about loving those around us. But then verse 22 talks about the fruit of our freedom, the fruit of living in that freedom and the fruit of our new identity, which is what we hear and what we see, the fruit of the spirit. I want you to think of it maybe in this way. So it becomes a bit more real to us when we are free and we are we have our new identity in Christ. We are free to live in love. We are free to live in joy, to live in peace, to live in patience, to live in kindness, to live in goodness, to live in faithfulness, to live in gentleness, to live in self-control. See, now that's 
That's the kind of freedom that sounds really, really attractive to me. So our true identity comes from change behavior. Actually, no, it doesn't. That was a phrase that I heard, uh, uh, sorry, that I read a while back. And I thought, and this was from a, a, a preacher. I'm thinking, I, I don't get that. I don't understand. Surely that can't be right. So if we behave, then we belong, was what he was saying. And, and actually, that's not what we read here. It's actually changed behavior comes from our true identity. I love the song that Joy talked about in her baptism video. I am who you say I am. My identity doesn't come from the world around us. It doesn't come from the, the social media that I engage with. It doesn't come from any other thing. It comes from who Jesus says I am. Galatians also talks about the fact that we're no longer slaves or free or male or female. The, not, the di not talking about the differences, but the divisions that come from those differences are gone. Our differences can actually be bonds of unity. My identity is not defined the, by the walls that have been built up or that I've built up around me. The walls of gender, of socioeconomic status, the walls of race and ethnicity. Whether those walls have been built by myself or because of racism and misogyny and all of those sorts of things. Yes, they are part of me. I am my race, I am my gender, etc. But my true identity is found, as we read in Galatians, in Christ. And I want us, I want us to get a hold of that because this is so important to, to help us tear down those walls. So when we tear down the walls of an old identity, we begin to find our new identity a new way of living, new fruit from that identity and living. But here's the other thing. Not only do we find freedom and a new identity, we're told that we also find purpose. One of the verses that I, you, over a period of time, you, you might get sick of hearing this verse, but I keep coming back to it uh, as a defining my purpose, but also our purpose as a church. And that's 2 Corinthians 5. 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you see it all starts there. If anyone is in Christ, we, the, the, those of us that are followers of Christ are in Christ. That's our identity. The new creation has gone, has come, sorry. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Do you see our purpose here? We, God is saying, you're my messenger. You are my ambassador. You are someone that goes with all the authority of the country that you are from into a new country, a new place of living, but you carry the authority. You live under the same economic status. You carry the authority of the person that sent you. You see, God is sending us. 
He is giving us our identity in his country under his kingship and sending us into our world saying, you're my ambassadors. Represent me to the people in your world. But it starts off, as I said earlier, in Christ. An ambassador does not go to a new country without the identity of the country that he comes from or she comes from. They are, we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You see, that's that's not just an op- update to our software, but it's a whole new hard drive and operating system. We are new. Romans, which is a, an incredible letter that unpacks some of the foundational truths of, of our following Christ. Paul is speaking to a to a church, into a completely pagan society, and he's setting the boundaries of what we believe and who we are. And so often in this, in this, throughout the book of Romans, we we see and read this phrase in Christ. We are alive to God in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. The spirit of life has set you free in Christ. Nothing can separate you. Look at that. Nothing can separate No walls, no, no rivers, no, ain't no mountain high enough. I, I won't burst into song there. Sorry, my mind just goes places. But nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. One body in Christ can be proud. I can be proud of my work for God in Christ. We are, you and I are fellow workers in Christ. You see, Paul uh, was saying to the, to, the, to the church in Rome, where you are in this completely hedonistic, paganistic society and city that you live in, I need you to know that Rome is not your identity. That being part of that system is not your identity. You have a new identity, which is in Christ. On November the 9th, 1989, the Berlin Wall, the wall of shame was torn down. So think about it this way. 2nd of May, 2021. What could happen today? What walls could could begin to be torn down today? I went to to Berlin. It was my privilege to go and preach there uh, quite a few years ago. And uh, my friend who was the pastor there took me round and he showed me all these these incredible sights, you know, bullet holes in the wall. Wall, Most of the wall is torn down, but there are still still bits of it. People have graffitied on it and graffitied peace signs and all sorts of stuff. Most of it is gone. And is now what is there is now a symbol of freedom. So what could happen today if we began to take notice of this, if we began to live out the freedom that we already have? Or those of you that don't know that freedom in Christ, that have never made a decision. Imagine what freedom you could live in. Imagine the walls that could be torn down today, the 2nd of May, 2021. What walls from doubt? Walls from our world and our family, walls from shame, walls from an old, fractured, broken identity could be torn down today, this very day. The old walls of identity have gone and a new identity has come. A new identity in Christ. 
The song that Joy talked about in her baptism story is a song written by my friend Reuben Morgan called Who You Say I Am. And the question I believe we need to ask ourselves is who am I allowing to define who I am? Who am I allowing to define my identity? You see the world around us that is steeped in division, creating common enemies. Is that who I'm allowing to define my identity or is it Jesus who is creating common bonds? Here's some some of the lines from the song. In my father's house, there's a place for me. Maybe some of you have felt that you have been a misfit in your world, in your family, wherever it is. Let me tell you, there is a place for you, not just in my father's house when we go back there. But here, this is my father's house. Circle Drive is a place where God has made his home. It tells us in, in Ephesians that God, as, our, as we are in unity, as we are one, God makes his home here. So this is my father's house. Maybe you need to hear that there's a place for you here. I am chosen, not forsaken. So many of us have felt left behind, especially in this, in this time of isolation. We felt forsaken, but you need to know you're not forsaken. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are chosen. Another line is says that you are for me, not against me. Maybe you need to hear that, that God is for you. He is not against you. He hasn't set his plans against you. He has set his plans for you. Can we, de- can we be defined by those words and by Jesus who says those words, not by every other thing that would seek to build the walls of our identity around us? When we look at our ordinary life, our yearly life, we celebrate Remembrance Day in November, don't we? We remember the price that was paid by generations past and present for us to live in freedom. Because you see, freedom is never or never comes free. There is always a cost to freedom. And here's what I always want to come back to. In every time that I speak the words from the Bible, I want to come back to this. If you are new here and have never made a decision for Jesus, let me tell you. If you have been around for many years, let me remind you, Jesus in his love, his grace and his forgiveness paid the cost for our freedom. He laid down his life so that we could have life in him, freedom in him. Our freedom cost him his life. See, Jesus didn't have a wall. He had a cross. There is freedom. There is salvation. There is healing in Jesus. There is new identity. There is a new way of living. I'd like us just maybe to think about this. Can I imagine how I would truly act if my walls of identity were completely and utterly demolished? And I lived in the knowledge that my true identity has been revealed in Christ. Now I want you to think about this. Can we imagine together how that would look to the world around us? Now, to some people in our world, that's going to be quite alarming. There's a scary thing about a group of people that are that know who they are, a group of people that love each other and love the world around them. But we're not controlled, coerced or contained by the world around us. 
a group of people that reflect Jesus because we are in him, a people with its walls down, a people living in a new identity, a people with a new way of living, a people with purpose, a people who are in Christ. Now I want you to think about that as the church, the effect the church could have on the world around us. If, if we were not only secure in our own identity in Christ, but we began to release others in their identity. It's not just about us. It's about what we bring to the world around us. Remember, we are messengers. We are ambassadors. We take the authority. We take the identity of the world that we are now part of, the kingdom that we are now part of, and we go and we live in another world. And we take that message of hope, of grace, of forgiveness to that world. We begin to release people from their walls of doubt, from their walls of family and society, of their walls of misplaced and broken identity. Here's what it would look like. I want to read a passage from... And for, for many Christians, if you're watching this, this is a really well known. And I want you to think about it. This is what it would look like if we began to tear down those walls. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisoner of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress, headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the, the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers will tend, stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that this won't be just a, well, this series won't be just another series, but God, I pray, Lord, that we will get this so deep into our hearts and into our thinking that it will form our identity. God, I pray for those of us that struggle with sitting inside a prison with an open door, that you will take us into that place of freedom because of our new identity, that you will take us into that place of purpose because of who we are in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just before we finish, I would love the privilege of praying with one or two people. And those people that I'd love to pray with are those that have maybe never made a decision to follow Jesus. 
You, you've heard this message of freedom and you're thinking, I don't know it all, but I certainly want what they're talking about there. Can I pray with you in a moment? I want to lead you in a prayer, but it's it's actually the start of a journey. That's what I want to that's what I want to get across to you, a new identity. And maybe you're here and you've you've made a decision to 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 follow Jesus. But like the, the story of the prodigal son, which Austin unpacked so well last week, you've gone away and maybe you're feeling that shame. Maybe you're, you've gone through the conversation in your head. Will they accept me back? Will God accept me back? Let me say, just like the prodigal father we are waiting with open arms and god is waiting with open arms as well but there's also another group of people and these this group of people have been on my heart for many many years because i guess this is where i was i grew up in a christian home and i had the privilege of being you know brought up in church but never really established a faith relationship with god for for myself for many years and i wanted i'd love to pray with you if you would let me and you're saying right now, yeah, maybe my parents, I'm sat in the same room as my parents, but I want to establish my own relationship, my own identity in Christ, not just rely on that of my parents. And I'd, I'd love you to pray. Uh, I'd love to pray with you and I'd love you to pray as well with those three groups of people. And, and what I want to do when I pray, or maybe after I pray, on the chat facility that you have there that you're watching with this, I'd love you just to, in a moment, there'll be a button that comes up and said, I want to come home to Jesus. Just hit the, uh, the respond button there and you'll be taken through and you'll have the opportunity to have someone pray with you. I, can you do that? Can you, can you actually have a, a text chat with someone? Because we actually want to put a gift in your hand. We want to put a New Testament in your hand and, and we want to help you on that journey as well. It's not to get your details. It's actually to say, hey, we're in this together. We've got this new identity together and we have a responsibility to help you on that journey. So let's pray. Dear God, I come to you and I give you my life. And I know right now you are tearing down the walls of my broken and fractured identity. God, I ask for forgiveness of my sin. God, I thank you that I am now a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And right now my new identity is in Jesus. I am a new person in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey guys, if you made that decision, can I just say right now, we are celebrating with you. Whether, whether we can see it through the button that you've pressed on the chat, or whether you've just prayed that prayer quietly in your heart, I want you to know we are celebrating with you. The people on the chat are celebrating. The church is celebrating. We love celebrating. And this is the biggest celebration in all because this is the celebration that all heaven is joining with us together to celebrate you. But we do want to connect with you and uh, we appreciate you stepping forward and saying yes to Jesus. Hey, I'm going to hand back to the team in Saskatoon. Please pr continue to pray for us. We're getting st we're getting closer and closer. As I said, we're in London to get some of those things done. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye.